We're in good shape. Thank you all so much. Um, we are, we have finished our series on the Apostles' Creed, and so we are moving into a, a little three, three-week series on gratitude. We are in that season of Thanksgiving, and, uh, um, and I thought, hey, let's, let's talk about gratitude. The sad part of that is, um, for something that should be a, a part of our lives, for, for something that should like define a part of our Christian character, the whole idea of gratitude and thankfulness, we have to have a holiday to remind us to do it at least once a year. Right, uh, and 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 that's that's sad, and and the the reason is that our human nature just doesn't operate in gratitude. It's not what's natural to us. It's a learned behavior. You have to you have to teach a kid to say thank you. Right? You, you, they don't just naturally do that. They'll say no naturally. But they're not going to say thank you naturally. It's a learned behavior. And no matter how old we are, we are constantly having to remind ourselves. Because what's natural, the easy thing is for us to, instead of give thanks, it's for us to complain and hash all the negative in our life. I've told each of the service, this is one of those sermons uh, that I, I, I went to the mirror before it, and I'll go to the mirror afterward, afterward and go, hypocrite, because I'm about to preach about something that I'm horrible at, right? I am not good at being, uh, of having gratitude. When you want to talk about negative thinking, I have a master's degree in that and well on my way towards a doctorate in that. Right, and I know I'm not the only one because it's it is what we do as a people. If you're at if you're at having lunch and the conversation starts to lull, say something negative. It'll pick it up. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. This morning, if I were to pass a microphone around and say, "I want everyone to share something that's bothering you," we'd be here for days. <laughs> now, if I pass that same microphone around and said, Share something that that you're just excited about and blessed about. Well, man, you should have given me some time to think about that, right? I mean, I, I'm in an Emmaus reunion group, and there's uh, and our bands that Monica puts together those historic uh, Wesley questions that you have. How is it with your soul? Uh, where where have you seen Christ in the world today? Unfortunately, for for many of us, we don't walk around with eyes looking for Christ. We look, we look around for something to complain about. And it's so easy, it is so easy to just get sucked into that, isn't it? A, 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 a couple of news shows, a conversation with somebody that goes astray, the, the, the reports of some, some people on Facebook that, you should have hidden a long time ago or done away with the app a long time ago anyway. But before you know it, we can just get caught in this negative spiral. And a people who should be a people of gratitude and thanksgiving, we, we too often look no different from the world around us. In fact, I'll even go as far as to say that, that at times we can be worse than the world around us. We're going to read out of 1 Thessalonians this morning. It's uh, one of Paul's letters, the little church in Thessalonica. Uh, 
Paul often, uh, in this, uh, as the church was breaking out, beginning to establish, uh, he would, he would make visits where he could and he would send letters. And in that he would encourage and, and teach. And, and, uh, and uh, this short little letter, uh, there's first and second Thessalonians. In this first one, there's five little short chapters and we're going to be in chapter five. Uh, it's, it's his final greetings. It's his final sort of teaching. These last words to his letter that he wants to admonish folks of what it looks like to be a Christian. And so here, here we go. We're in verse 12 of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholeheartedly, uh, wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with one another. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. You're going to have two verses memorized at the end of the day. This is one of them. Can you handle that? It's three words. Say it with me. Always be joyful. One more time. Always be joyful. First Thessalonians 5.16. Good. You, now I'm going to come back to that later on. And I'm going to test who really memorized it uh, and who didn't. And the second, never stop praying. You have two verses in the Bible memorized this morning. Good job. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're smarter than I thought. But... Uh, <laughs> Verse 16, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit, don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, and stay away from every kind of evil. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Be to God. So Paul writing to this church and, and, um, remind me, I mean, it's just some practical advice to the church, but it's, it, it is stuff that people of faith need to hear over and over. Unfortunately, things that should be second nature to us as Jesus followers aren't second nature to us because our flesh wins out too many times. Those normal inclinations. This is why we believe that you, you, there is a new birth that has to happen when we become followers of Christ. Something has to die in order for something new to live. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I, I have been crucified with Christ. It, it, that whole idea is we have to, there has to be a conversion. Natural manness of us, the, the humanness of us doesn't add up and doesn't lay comfortably with godliness. We it, it takes effort. We are supposed to look different than the world around us. We're not we're not supposed to copy uh the world. We want the world to copy us. 
This was the repeated story of, of the Old Testament as God sent His people out into the promised land and He sent them out to become the light and to, so everyone might know God. But just like us, they would go out into culture instead of changing it, they became a part of it. We are to be different. Our attitudes are to be different. The way we think, the way we act, the way we treat one another, it's meant to be different. Because we are different. We have a, we have a heavenly Father, a new heart, a new mind, a transformed way of thinking. We have received forgiveness and we're to share it with others. And so as he's helping them to understand how this looks different, he starts off by saying, hey, the leaders among you, Treat them with respect. Be good to those people. They work hard for you. Show them wholehearted love and encouragement. Right? And I waited until after Pastor Appreciation Month to do this. So that, and, and it's not a, a passive-aggressive thing at you or anything. This isn't just about church leadership. If you go to Romans... Uh, 13, Paul describes that all authority placed over us is from God. So we're, we're supposed to respect authority, period, over us, right? It, for people who are working for us, and I know this is hard in our partisan world now and with the step, but, but even like for our elected officials on, on state and, and federal levels and, and, uh, in our, in our local Thanks to Judy Eichner, our mayor here was in the first service and she was like, you need to come preach this sermon to Tuesday's city council meeting. Can you do that? <laughs> but any, any, any of you that have been in leadership of any form of leadership, when people actually come and talk to you nine times out of ten, is it positive or negative? Negative. The ones who care enough to send the very best are the ones who want the worst out of you, right? It, it's, you, it's the rare exception when you receive encouragement because we have a culture, and, and unfortunately, in a lot of churches, there's a culture that that's my God-given right. Like iron sharpens irons, I'm going to rip your guts out because that's the godly thing to do. No, it's not. The godly thing to do is to honor those who have authority over us. At work, in your family, in your HOA, in, in the, the groups that you're in, to exercise gratitude for that, to say thank you. We don't understand all the work that leaders do around us. We see a little and we think we know, but we don't understand all that leaders uh, do for us. This sort of came home to me, uh, a couple years ago. I, as I said, I'm one of the worst about what I'm talking about, so just know this sermon is aimed at me. But um, So a couple of years ago, as we were coming out of the pandemic, and uh, the bishop uh, called a meeting with some of the church pastors, and we were talking about stuff, evaluating stuff, sort of figuring out how ministry was going to look after a pandemic, all that kind of stuff. And it was just a brutal meeting. And the tone of it toward the bishop was was just really 
Parsons stuff. And, and in the midst of that, number one, I've, I've, I know what it feels like to be de-gutted in public in, in a, in a church meeting, right? So I had empathy for him, but it went deeper than that. Uh, at that point, it's like the Holy Spirit knocked on my front door and said, you're always complaining about people complaining about you and don't encourage you, but when's the last time you've ever encouraged the bishop or your DS? Or anybody like that. And it just sunk home to me. I mean, I'm a do as I say, not as I do person. Right? And, and, you know, we all have our rationalizations of why we don't do that. Well, I don't want the bishop to think I'm a brown noser. Right? I mean, he might think that I'm trying to get something out of him if I say something nice. Isn't that sad? That we, we're afraid that if we say nice things to people that they're going to think the worst of us? One of the things I hear all all the time here is, I'd tell you more often you're doing a good job, but I don't want you to get a big head. (laughs) Like, don't worry, somebody will smash it right after you walk out the door. That's all right. Right? We, we, we sort of build up this, this rationale because it is what comes natural isn't being positive, it's being negative. And, and so when we live in that darkness long enough, we actually can convince our spirit that we are, that we have a right to do that. We have a right to complain. We have a right to 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 bring them down because they're do, 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 do. no, we're different. We're a, we're we're a, we are a family that is called to love one another, right? That that's what this looks like, and it shouldn't just be within these walls. Your boss at work. Our elected officials, our, whoever is in authority in your life, whoever has those positions of service, you know how much you like receiving thanks. Why are we so stingy with it when we give it to other folks? And, and we know this psychologically, we know this. We talk about it in child rearing or in marriage. For every negative thing that's said, you need 10 to 15, some would even say 20 plus positive things to outweigh that. Right? I mean, I can stand out here and, and 47 people can go by and say, great sermon, great sermon, great sermon. And that one comes and says, nah, nah, nah. which one do I take home with me? Yeah. It's just human nature. It's what we do. So for all, for all of our leaders, it's just a, just a thank you. It, it means so much. I, I have tried since that meeting, I have tried uh, to, to send a, a little note of encouragement to our bishop every once in a while um, and just uh, thank him for, for what he does. Because in every level of leadership, there's sort of an isolation and a, and a loneliness, and, and we can help it. And you know what? When you, when we're good to the people who have authority over us, it makes them want to be better people to us as well, right? So it's a symbiotic relationship. So he says, we're different here. We're not, we're not going to tear down and, and be, uh, we're, we're not going to cannibalize our own. We're going to encourage. And we want, we want this to be something that people enjoy. We don't want it to be a, a burden. So let's, let's treat one another differently. And then he goes on, uh, verse 14, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, and be patient with everyone. Remember, we're, we're family. 
where this is family. This is one broken, dysfunctional group of retrobates that have all come together in the glory of God. And if you're looking at me funny, you're the biggest reprobate of all. But we're one big dysfunctional family that has a purpose, and that's to love God and love one another. Right? And, and, and in that, we want everyone to have a place. If you take the Great Commission, Jesus was giving us a pattern. Um, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism was, was a sacrament of belonging, of naming. By baptizing people, we were bringing them into our family. Welcome. You're broken now too. Thank you. You're, you're one of, in 930, we just got a new member and he got to be my, my example of that. His name's Bob Orr. I was like, Bob, welcome to our broken family. You, you fit right in, right? Uh, we, we, and so in that, what Paul is talking about, as we do life together, there's different personalities and stuff in this room and different ways we go about things. But he sort of goes through and he's like, Hey, if, if you're, if you're timid, just know. Safe space here. We want you to be a part of it. If, if you're, if you're hard to get along, well, we're going to put our arm around you and, and walk with you. If you're lazy and sort of not helping the effort, we're going to invite you into having purpose and meaning. And, and that's what we do as a family. That's what, when church is done right, the kingdom of heaven exists here on earth. Right? One of the greatest human needs is that, that need of acceptance, that need of being loved. And church done right, we, we meet that need in spades. That, that's what the world is looking for. I keep hearing about these emerging generations and how they're walking away from the church. And the thing they're walking away from is dead religion. But they are hungry for relationship and love. And when we do church the way Jesus asks us to do church, they'll be all over that. I've, I've been so proud of this church, of how you've helped us walk with younger people in your support of like the, the, the camp to SS Park. Uh, we're, we're, uh, you're, a lot of you are supporting our young adults that are uh, raising money to go to Costa Rica this next spring. Uh, the way that you're, you're helping out our children's ministry and praying for them and your invitation uh, to families and stuff here that um, I, it, there was a time in this church I, I felt nervous if a new family was coming in with a little kid because I was afraid they might get the stink eye from somebody. If the kid made noise, we don't do that anymore. We're welcoming because we're different people, right? We're not like the world. The world is going to spit you out. But here, man, here, come on. Be one of us. He says, be patient with everyone. We all have our stuff. I'm, I'm a little better off than most of you. But you're all broken. No, I'm joking. It's the other way around. You're pretty good. I'm messed up. In the, in the 815 service this morning, I said that and somebody went, Amen. <laughs> that service never speaks out or anything. And the only Amen I get was about my own lack of, of talent. But, right? 
in this family. We have to be patient with one another. In some of those church conversations after the pandemic, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. And what I would always say is, yeah, I can't wait to those days when we fight over carpet again. Because that's what's been normal in church. But that's not what, we're different than that. We're called to something higher. To encourage and build up and nurture. To light a fire of faith and hope. To create a, a pathway for kids to feel like they, they belong and, and, and they're needed and wanted. That, when church is done right, man, that, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? First Thessalonians 5.16 says, always three people. All right, good. <laughs> always be joyful. Always be joyful. Man, if there is, if there is a characteristic of the church that I think is missing, this is it. Always be joyful. I don't know when, when it happened, but somehow in the last hundred years, there was a memo that went around that said, we're supposed to be angry most of the time. Right? And I don't know where it came from. I'm, I'm not sure who circulated the memo. I wish I could find it and we'd recall it and, and issue a new one. And here it is. Always be joyful. Right? And joy, joy isn't just a, I'm so happy. Joy is this intense, intensity of relationship and intensity of gratitude that just builds up in you. And, and it, it, and this is why we think of joy like a fountain or a geyser. It just builds up in you. And the more gratitude you have and the more you, you see the blessings in your life and the more you lean into the positive rather than the negative. Philippians chapter four, think on these things, whatever's beautiful, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's righteous. Think about these things. When we lean into that kind of thinking, when we move from the negative down the toilet thinking into thinking up and raising up and encouraging, it just begins to build up in us and then it just comes out. You can't help it. That's Christian joy. That, that's what you see in the book of Acts. These people that even in intense circumstances, their love for God was so intense and their, their fellowship was so intense that there was just this joy about them that was contagious and everybody wanted to see it. Enough of the days of the curmudgeon. That's not a Christ-like character. If you haven't watched The Chosen, The Chosen is a a TV series. You can watch it. It's on Prime. It's all over uh, the place. Uh, They they tell a story of the Bible, but it's got dramatic license to it and stuff. But I, I just love the way that they depict Jesus in that series. The humanness of it. And his, and his sense of humor. He's got a snarkiness to him and a, just a sarcasm to him. I always knew I was on a godly track in, in my sin. <laughs> but the, but the, I just, I just love the, the fact that he's laughing with his folks. There was a joy there. And, and, and folks, when we get who God is and what He's done for us. How can we be anything but joyful? 
in, in all of our worry about religion and what's, all that kind of stuff, we've just missed the basic thing that God loves us and He loves us so much that He's not going to let our sin get in the way for that. And so He came near and took the, and, and paid the price for what we did wrong so that we can have eternity with Him. And every day of our life He is with us. Not a second goes by that He forgets about us. The Almighty God is our best friend. Lord, Savior, friend, Rabbi. That's just one place to start. I hope you, I hope you count this church in your blessings. The idea that we have a, we have a family and we don't always agree on everything, but we have a family that we pray for one another. We meet together. We're changing the world around us together. We're, we we try to encourage and and bring out the best in one another. We we are blessed with folks that have talents and gifts and people that serve in quiet ways that we'll never know about it. But over and over, this church body just gives and gives and gives. I hope you count that in your blessings because not everybody has that. We have so much to be thankful for. Be joyful. Always be joyful. In Philippians 4, he says, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I want you to think about that word for a minute. Rejoice. Rejoy. Rejoicing, building that up is a rehearsing of what God has done for us. By rejoicing, we're revisiting, we're rejoying, re-enjoying who God is and what He's done for us. We do it every day of our life. You don't have to wait for a holiday on a Thursday in which you're going to get fat and eat too much anyway. To do it, we should do it every breath that we have. Thank you, God, for all that you've done for us. And then as we rejoice, rejoice, it just begins to bubble out. Rejoice. The next one, never stop praying. And these go together, right? Because as much as we rejoice, as much as we practice that, the world is hard. And it's going to get the best of us at times. And as, and as much as we want to lean into the positives, there's just sometimes the darkness is too thick for us. And we can get caught in that, in that whirlwind. But prayer is that place where if you're lacking joy, go to the source of joy. Go to the fountain himself. By putting yourself in, in position with Him, by, a, a, by a getting a posture with Him, he, he reprograms us, right? It's like when your computer starts messing up and you shut it down and it comes back on and works all of a sudden. It, that's what prayer can be for us. That we go to Him with our, our, our broken mentality and our, our depression and, and, and our anger and our criticism and we lay it at His feet and the Spirit of God will begin to do a new thing in you. I challenge you to, to pray about your blessings and stay angry. It's just hard to do. It, as, as you start to remember and as you start to rehearse and you start to relive and you start to renew and the Spirit works and your mind and your heart are transformed, if you want to be joyful, then never stop praying. Never stop praying. 
Don't stifle the Holy Spirit, verse 19. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. One of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity to God's family. Priestly prayer, John 17, over and over again, Jesus is saying, Father, just as you and I are one, will you make them one? Right? It's not about a uniformity in thinking. It's about a unity, and we are all children of a loving Father who has blessed us mightily. And so when we work, when we aren't trying to live at peace, when we aren't showing patience, when we let critical thoughts get the best of us, when we tear down instead of building up, we're stifling the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's working on bringing us together and transforming us into disciples and, and beacons of God's light. So that as we live in this community and in, in, in our, in our homes, that the light that God has poured out on us begins to shine through us. You are the light on a hill, Jesus said. The darkness can't avoid a light and, and we are called to be a light in the darkness. We do things differently. We do things differently. The world says, tear them down, eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. We say, love one another. Show patience with one another. Be gracious to one another. Always have gratitude. I just, I encourage you through this season, and, and, and more than this season, I, this shouldn't be a seasonal activity for us. We have so much to be thankful for, folks. So much. I mean, we just start where we, where we live. And I know it gets hot, but you have air conditioning. Give thanks for air conditioning. The beauty around us, the community we get to be a part of, the family and friends that we're blessed with, the breath that you had this morning to get up out of bed, the fact that if you weren't here, somebody would miss you. That, those are great. But then you, then you start shifting your focus up here, and oh my goodness, we could go on for days. My God has given himself completely to me, to you. He has poured himself out over and over again, even when, especially when I don't deserve it. He's never walked away from me. He's never, he's, he's never taken back his commitment to me, and he never will. Be gracious in everything. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, as as we as we come to you this morning, we we want to be the kind of Christian that joy abounds in, that that serves as a light, that repels darkness, that looks different than what the world does. That do that work in us. Thank you, Jesus.
Amen.